October 28, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and also in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the two four and one Philadelphia Eagles are now on top of the NFC East with a chance to open some space this week. That's hard to believe. The Phillies are making organizational changes. Uh, that don't look good for signing JT Realmuto or DD Gregorius. We'll see how that works out. Sixers made some moves today as well. The Big Ten season for the Penn State and the Lions certainly got off to a crazy start. But most importantly, Chet, it's good to be back. Our family appreciates the thoughts from you and all the viewers that reached out to us during this difficult time. But we'll bounce back because mom would be pushing us to do it. Absolutely, Bill. Hope everyone is doing okay there. I know it's been a very busy few weeks at the Furman household. Uh, Tough to deal with a loss like that. And of course, it's great to have you back. As you indicated, we certainly have plenty to talk about on the Philly sports scene and that PSU opener that didn't go quite the way we hoped. That's right. Well, hey, we got a couple great guests tonight with our main man, Kevin Riley, returning and Edge of Philly Sports Network's Freddie Burns is going to be joining us as well a little later. Yeah, we do indeed. Some baseball talk to get to. Congrats to the Dodgers. Uh, Fred's fantasy football advice. Another star player out for the season, OBJ. And, of course, it is Eagles-Cowboys week, Bill, so let's get her going. Hey, and not congratulations to Kevin Cash, but we'll get to that a little bit. Oh, yeah. He's taking some heat. (laughs) You bet. Well, hey, with that, let's welcome back Kevin Riley. Kevin, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Man, it uh, seems like something normal in my life, coming back and talking to you guys on radio. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to doing it tonight. And people get to see your smiling face too, Kevin, which is always nice. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk football. It's been certainly a football season, and unlike any other, for many reasons. And when we looked at the schedule a few months ago, we knew it was possible that this Week 8 NFC East matchup between the Eagles and Cowboys would be a battle for first place. Well, we didn't know – was that it'll be a couple of teams with records of two, four, and one, and two and five. What do you make of this season for this NFC East, Kevin? Well, first of all, I'm really glad we're, we've got up to eight games, you know, yeah. because I'll tell you what, when um, things started off with the Marlins and, uh, you know, the baseball this year, I thought this is going to be something that football will never be able to control because they're going to be on planes and going to hotels and, and, You got to give them credit. They've done a great job with keeping it under control uh, uh, to a minimum so far. But we've got, you know, nine more games to go in the season. Anything can happen. Uh, I didn't think I'd be looking ever at a two, four, and one team in first place in anything. But that's what's happening in this crazy world. And I guess if you take a look at the next three weeks, uh, pretty much uh, in really uh, great shape for the Eagles to pick up two wins and get a lot of people healthy. They play the Cowboys, you know, this Sunday night, and then they get a bye week, and then it's the Giants. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, stuff going on up here today in the newspapers and by way of the rumor mill that the uh, 
the Dallas Cowboys are tanking. Uh, they're, they look like they're, they may have given up, up on the season. Uh, Mike McCarthy has been a total disappointment down there. They're having problems internally in the locker room. But, you know, I'll take all that because a win is a win. And uh, the Eagles should have, you know, a, a good chance to win this football game uh, this Sunday. Then they get the bye week. The guys that are on injured reserve will have a chance to come back. And by the way, latest right now in the last hour, they said that Godert might be able to play this weekend. We do know that uh, Jalen Rager is coming back. So they get two guys back, possibly TJ Edwards. So they're going to get healthier. And if they can get four, four and one going into the rest of the schedule, which we can talk about because it's brutal. I can see them winning this division with six wins. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, hey, Kevin, you know, we know how this preseason started. We didn't have OTAs. We didn't have all that stuff. Um, so many teams, Eagles being one, decimated with injuries. Do you put a lot of that to the fact that, you know, they just didn't work out right, they didn't have the proper camp, and they tried to push through, or is it just part of the game? It seems to me it's way more than normal. Yeah, it's way more than normal, and I think you might have had the perfect storm here. You know, guys, over the last five years, the size of the ball players, the strength that they have, uh, there is no off season for them anymore where their body gets to recover, even from the rigors of weightlifting and training. So, you know, they're all wound up. They're tight. You've got guys on the field now on every team running four, five, four, six, forties. Some of the linebackers are in a four, six, four, seven area. If you think about it as a physics project, if you have this kind of mass, you know, moving at this type of, uh, you know, miles per hour or whatever, the impact's going to be greater and it's much greater than it was in the day that I played. And the size of the guys are cover, you know, are really holding on to more impact that weight behind them and the power. I think if you put that together with what happened with no preseason game to get these guys loosened up, I think you've had a situation where you can almost anticipate losing two, maybe three guys a game, at least one or two guys a game going forward. Now, John Bunning and I, the old linebacker and good friend of mine from the Eagles, we were talking about the 1974 season. We had two, we think, possibly three guys on injured reserve for the entire year. That happens after one Monday night football now. So, <laughs> you know, things are different and you just wonder where it's going to stop. And, you know, if you talk about COVID right now, guys, and the injuries that are happening, anything can happen in the next nine weeks. Let's talk about the offense a bit. I think it was Ruben Frank who noted the other day that Carson Wentz's last eight touchdown passes were to players who are former Eagles practice squad guys, Greg Ward, Jason Kroom, who we didn't even know about, Boston Scott and Travis Fulgham. Thank goodness for Ward and Fulgham. They've been a real bright surprise this season. Oh, they really have. And I'll tell you what, Chet, not only the Eagles, but how many times have you looked out there at one of the Phillies game and you see a guy in the reliever role and you say, who is that? <laughs> I remember the day you could name all the ball players on the team and recite yeah. them, you know, on your way to school or whatever. Just ain't happening now. And uh, that's happened once or twice to me looking out at a wide receiver or one of the linebackers, especially with the Eagles, and not recognizing the name because they were just brought up this week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thank God they did expand the rosters because a lot of teams would be in bad shape without that having been done. 
Well, hey, Kevin, when, you know, I think I've always looked at it as if, if you're on an NFL roster, you can play, right? I think you don't make it if you can't play. Can, can the Eagles survive this offensive line situation where it's just plugging in guys week after week and you never know who's going to be in there and still trying to run an offense with a guy I think is a pretty darn good quarterback and he's trying to hold this thing together with a, with a patchwork offensive line. Can they survive with that? Uh, I think they can. And, you know, there, there's a silver lining here. Look at the in there right now. You've got, you know, in the next three weeks, you've got two almost sure wins. You know, I hate to say that, but if we don't win those two games, we ought to go home. And you get guys, I think, that should be getting reps now while you get the other guys healthy. And uh, just take a look at what's happened with some of the guys that have stepped up. And I can't tell you, this this guy, my tag. The, the left tackle, he is getting better game by game. You know, I've always been a believer, guys. Personal experience, uh, I was both lucky and unfortunate when I got drafted by the world champion Dolphins in 1973 because I went down to uh, a Super Bowl team that had six Hall of Famers on it, but it brought out the very best in me. I had to be focused at practice I learned things from guys that were all pros. And then when I got the opportunity to play with the Eagles, you know, I was playing um, linebacker uh, my first year, about half a half a quarter a game, which I would never have happened down in Miami. But I think sometimes guys with talent play up to the level. So Kevin Riley and the positive attitude that I have, I look at some of these guys getting opportunities that they're going to get reps in and they're going to be somewhat of, you know, a veteran more than they would be if they were sitting on the bench, especially the offensive linemen and some of the running backs. And I think you're going to go too deep in a lot of the quarterback situations. I think it's a positive, and that may come into play well when they get to the playoffs. Who knows what team is going to be in, in what kind of shape playoff time this year. It's going to be a real, you know, roll of the dice. Well, Kevin, you are a former linebacker, as you noted, and I think we've talked about this previously with you, but I think Bill and I agree on this one. Uh, it's troublesome that Jim Schwartz and Howie Roseman don't seem to put any sort of real priority on quality linebackers. Nathan Gary looks outmatched much of the time to me, and some of the other guys on the linebacker position have minimal experience. Does that bother you at all as a former linebacker? Well, it does, um, and, you know, there are some linebackers out there that are really, really intense and, you know, some of them are, are converted defensive ends from college. you got to have the size now to play inside. And one of the problems, Chet, is, you know, back in the day and not even maybe seven, eight years ago, there were still four linebackers, you know, playing in a game on first and second down anyway. Now, you know, you've gone to almost these hybrid defenses where you look out on first down and you got two linebackers and one of them is an outside linebacker, you know, sitting in a hole that's going to be blocked by a 325 pound tackle. And, you know, that's the problem you run into, but you have to have that guy in case he's got to move to the slot and cover one of these wide receivers. You can't have your Bill Berge covering a guy long, you know, down the field. Um, it's really, I think, a tough situation right now for a lot of defenses on identifying who they are and who they want to be with linebackers. But it is like, you know, it is really something to see the number of linebackers almost going the way of fullbacks. How many teams right now utilize a fullback? But I'll tell you, that 49er fullback is one heck of a fullback for the 49ers. He does it all. 
Yeah. Well, and, and staying on the defensive side, Darius Slay looks like uh, certainly a good pick. He's he's right up at the top of the league, I think, if not at the top of the league in coverage. Uh, but it all starts with that defensive front. And for the most part, when they're healthy, they've been pretty good. They've been I think they've been really good. You know, when you, you think about this, uh, you don't sometimes pick it up from a spectator's standpoint, but almost all the defenses now are rotating you know, their front guys uh, on defense, you know, their down linemen. And sometimes you'll see them stack defensive ends. Uh, and you think about these poor offensive linemen that when they are healthy, they play the majority of the game and they get tired, especially chasing, you know, guys that have had a rest for a series of plays. So the Eagles, I still wish they would blitz more. I think there's quarterbacks that just aren't really ready for the blitz like they used to be. Now, you know, not the guy down in New Orleans. He can he can mess you up. Mahomes can mess you up. But I don't think Jim uh, Schwartz blitzes enough. But that's also because he figures his four guys can put about as much pressure on anybody as sending you know a linebacker or a you know um, one of the safeties in from the side. So that's the way he's decided to do it to give more coverage out there. And I'll tell you what, that defensive line has played pretty well this year. One guy that I think has slipped a little is Cox. I, I know he's getting double teamed, but he's not, you know, getting through the double teams that he used to get through. And it could be him just getting a little older and a little more beat up because he's taken on so many double teams in his lifetime. Kevin, you were a special teams stalwart back in the day. You know how important that aspect of the game is. And frankly, I'm a little worried about our kicker, Jake Elliott. He's missed four field goals already this year. One of them recently from inside the 30. Are you at all worried about him? A little bit, yeah, because, you know, um, the toughest part uh, uh, of any kicker's, uh, you know, performance is this is, is this only six and a half inches, Chet. It's right between their ears. Yeah. And it gets into your head, look out. And I see a little bit of it getting into his head. And it's just the opposite. When they clear something from 58 yards and they go to kick a 41-yarder, you can just see the confidence in them. The guy that um, – that I played with that never had that problem was Tom Dempsey. He was a guy that played defensive end in college and he wasn't, you know, a kicker only. And because of that, he was able to really have the mentality of a football player. But I, I am a little worried about Elliot, but he does have the range when you go to the games and you're there, you know, like I am sometimes, especially when I was doing the broadcast, the radio shows, when you see this guy, you know, for this final kick, kick one from 58 yards and it goes through and, I would look at John Miller and say, that would have been good from 63. You know he's got the foot. It's just a matter of, you know, getting the, uh, the mind to go along with that. Uh, I'm a little more concerned on, on some of the um, uh, feedback and, and pushback that the Eagles get are getting from, um, you know, having number 10, our wide receiver out there, uh, who got hurt uh, on a punt. But Deshaun Jackson comes up. And, you know, here you are, you're in a tight game, you're one, four, and one. If you don't win this game, my, my goodness, you might be, you know, playing for, ne for next year. Uh, and so he comes up to you as the, um, you know, the special teams coach, and he says, let me go in and make a play. And you say to yourself, you know, maybe he can. And if we don't win this game, it doesn't matter if he plays with us, you know, is healthy next week or not, because we're going to start getting younger guys ready. Um, I think that that, you would take that opportunity almost like you would take it on fourth and one. If you had a guy like Carson Wentz, a quarterback that you're almost as short of getting one yard, although he missed on that just recently. 
But those are the things that um, they pay the coaches the big money for to make those kind of decisions. And yes, to answer your question, I'm a little concerned about our place kicker. I have no concerns about our punter. He is excellent. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, Kevin, you led me right into where I was going to go. Uh, coach and uh, calling plays on a football field. You could be a genius and you could be the village idiot in just a matter of one play. Uh, Doug, Doug is taking some heat for some moves. Um, how do you feel about how this thing has gone through almost half of the season? You still uh, still on board that Doug's got it going? Even though, obviously, if you execute plays and they work, you're, you're the genius. And if they don't, you're the village idiot. So what do you make of it so far? Well, you know, uh, I, I really think that Doug has had a difficult year. I'll say that. Uh, I'll give him a little bit of, uh, you know, okay on it because they didn't have the training camp they thought they were going to have and don't forget he got COVID during training camp so I think it put him a little behind the eight ball and sometimes you know the coaches they start to get a little lack of confidence in themselves and I'm not seeing the same guy that's a risk taker uh, like I did during the previous seasons and I'd like to see him do a little more of that for for instance uh, Malata did the left tackle I don't know why this guy hasn't been on uh, inside the five-yard line running the football. If I was one of the guards on the Eagles, I would tell the guy playing against me, see that guy back there, he's 320 pounds, and he's coming right over my back. I don't know about you, but I'm getting out of the way. (laughs) We haven't seen, you know, that type of stuff. That's just the type of stuff that makes you, as an opponent, have to look at more film what if this happens what if that happens Uh, I'm really disappointed that Jalen Hurts hasn't played more he's thrown one pass well actually one was a lateral but he did throw a pass that was an absolute bullet uh, right on target and if you look I watched this kid all through Alabama because I had a stepson that went there I followed him very closely and this this kid can throw the football and he's such a danger to run that sometimes you're going to have to play a very conservative defense to keep him contained. I don't know why he hasn't seen more time, not just at quarterback, but in other special plays. He is such a decoy, as you've seen in a couple of the games. So, Kevin, the Eagles and Cowboys have been quite a rivalry for a number of years now. Uh, what was it like in the mid-70s when you guys played, 73, 74, that era? Yeah, I'll was tell rivalry? you something. When you got eight guys on your team that are from Texas – they, they start three weeks ahead of time telling you bad stories about the Cowboys, okay, and how they disrespect us and this, that, and the other. If Leonard Toast had walked into our locker room 15, 20 minutes before the game and said, gentlemen, you have a decision to make. I'm out of money. I can't pay anybody for this game. So if you want to leave, you can leave. I think we'd have had three guys that would have left. <laughs> Because this, you knew, was going to be a street fight. And they were just as pumped up for us as we were for them. Um, I can remember this specific play to give you an idea. Billy Bradley, as you guys know from meeting him at the golf tournament, is quite a character. Oh, yeah. Quite an athlete. He was super Bill Bradley in Texas. And if he didn't play uh, professional football, he would have played professional baseball. He was that good. Mm-hmm. And um, Mike Ditka is in his first year of uh, being a coach, and he's on the sideline with the Dallas Cowboys. Billy was punting. He was a left-footed punter, and he was punting our punt at Mary Kersey was hurt. 
and the ball went out of bounds on the Dallas Cowboys sideline. And as we were racing over to down it, uh, Ditka was screaming at somebody and Billy came up with an elbow and hit him right in the side of the head and almost knocked him over. And Ditka wanted to kill Bill Bradley. I mean, it even went to the coaching staff, you know, situations there, but and it, it's an incredible rivalry uh, that I think can't be topped, especially with the Eagle fans up here. I'm not sure how much they hate us down in Dallas anymore. I know that for a while there, Washington took over as their number one nemesis, but um, we certainly, it's Dallas week in Philadelphia. You know that and WIP, that's what they talk about. Mm-hmm. So it's been going on since the beginning of the week. Hey, Kevin, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned this to us before we came on live uh, about the Delaware releasing a spring football schedule. Uh, can you tell us briefly how that's going to work? Yeah, you know, back burner, you know, they were hoping they would get football in and they had a preliminary uh, target of October to start the season. Villanova's in the CAA along with Delaware and James Madison and Maine and Towson, uh, University of Long Island. So um, what they decided to do is make another backup program, which would have been they play spring football. I didn't think that was going to work at first. I thought that was kind of a long shot. But as the pandemic went on and, you know, they decided there wasn't enough teams to put together, you know, a a full schedule that they had scheduled originally, they decided to go with the, um, and it was announced today, at least for the first time I've seen a schedule in print. And there's a Northern division that has six games and a Southern division that has six games. So Delaware, Villanova, Towson, Maine, New Hampshire will be in the Northern division. I know I missed one there. And then you'll have Richmond, William and Mary, JMU, um, who am I missing? Some other teams in the Southern Division. You're allowed also to pick up two more games out of the conference. And there will be a conference championship. As a matter of fact, the um, FCS is hoping to go from 24 teams to 16 because of the shortened season. If they get that off, it will really help a lot of the teams with the backup that will happen with what happens with fifth-year player that wanted to be, you know, play this year as a quarterback or a tight end or whatever. And then he had that eligibility. Well, now they'll get that out of the way in the spring because the rule would have been that he could have been a sixth year player, which kind of backs everybody up, you know, especially if you were thinking on graduating on time and getting a job. So hopefully to come off, I'll be broadcasting for him. Um, I'll be doing like the Phillies do, though. The away games, I'll be broadcasting from a TV set uh-huh. and, uh, somewhere in Philadelphia and, and not on the, on the road with them. Hey, Kevin. Hey, so when, when is the first game going to be? Excuse me, Chad. When's yeah. the first game going to be, Kevin? Do you have I knew, to, you're, I knew you were going to ask me that. It's early <laughs> March, and the last game is April 17th. In the, in the, uh, and there, there, there isn't a bye week. So they play six straight weeks. So it's going to be really interesting. I, I'm glad they didn't start in February because the weather can be so iffy, especially down here and in the north. But uh, And we'll probably have some issues maybe in March. But there's, I think there's five or th- four games in March and two in April or maybe see, yeah, something like that. Three, it might be three and three, but it's four and two, something like that. Sounds good. Well, Kevin, you've been tackling life for a long time, and you have a book by that uh, same name. You still selling any of those uh, books? Yeah, we are. As a matter of fact, uh, thanks for asking, Chet. We've uh, sold over 8,000. I'm getting ready to do a third run. And uh, I'll be running some material by you guys. You know, 
after you write the first edition, I went, you know, just a soft cover, uh, not colored pictures. I didn't know if I was going to sell 20, let alone 8,000. Okay. So, you know, you don't want to go get too expensive. Then the second run we did, I put a hard cover on it, nice colored photos and they allow you, they call it 2.0. You're allowed to upgrade the book. Mm -hmm. So I put a, another chapter in there called the Philly special that talked about what happened during that very special time when, you know, uh, Foles, uh, Nick Foles was uh, the receiver of the touchdown to put the Eagles ahead in that game. And uh, I was able to add some things that I missed it originally. So I'm thinking of doing another chapter or two uh, for the third edition and we'll see how it goes. I don't know if you know this, but um, our, only guy that was ever on the Hall of Fame ballot from administration position, Leo Carlin. He was the Eagles ticket manager for 53 years. Mm -hmm. He's got a book out now called A Bird's Eye View. And uh, he could have done something that would have really caused some uproar, but he didn't. He don't, it's all positive stuff that happened over those 53 years and some of the characters he met in it. So here we are, guys writing books that never could pass an English course, you know? <laughs> well, hey, Kevin, I told you this before. I'll tell you it again. It was, it was certainly my privilege to have an opportunity to proofread your book before it ever went to print. It was awesome. And I, I appreciate you letting me do that. It only took you a week. My goodness. You have to take uh, that. That's not true. That speed. <laughs> that, that's not true because I started reading it one night and I read half the book the one night and half the book the next night that's how good it was well i'll tell you who beat you the guy that i gave to to be the the original proof source because i was afraid of getting you know when i give it to you guys and a couple other i get all of this information i went over time and time again with my co-host uh, my co-host my co co-writer uh, john riley and we had a couple names down there and finally i said who better to read this and give me honest feedback than a guy that i've known from 40 years who hasn't told his first lie, who knows the Eagles inside and out, but Ray Dinger. I sent it to Ray. He said, Kevin, it's the NFL draft. I won't be available for four weeks. Are you in a hurry? I said, nope, I'm not in a hurry. He said, well, as soon as the draft's over, I'll try to tackle the book, okay? I get a call from him three days later. He happened to sit down at wherever he was in a, in a hotel room, and he said, I'll read a couple chapters. He read the whole book in one night wow. and then he challenged me of why I didn't put in some of his favorite stories around, <laughs> but uh, man, thank God for you guys. You gave me the confidence to put it out there. Right. So Christmas coming up here soon in the next couple months, you're going to have it for sale. Where can people get it that still want to buy that book for Christmas? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, all you have to do is go to my website, www.kreilly.com. And within um, another week, I'm going to have a special on the book. Um, and uh, we'll take it from there. And all you have to do is order the book. We'll do a PayPal. And, I, and all you have to do is give your name and address, and I ship it to you overnight. You have it in three or four days. And it'll be signed. And if you tell me who you want it made out to, it'll be a perfect gift for that Eagle fan out there who uh, would like to have a book signed by an English course in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> all right kevin hey as always my man we appreciate you coming by always fun to talk to you and uh, stay healthy you guys stay healthy too that's true <laughs> that's the truth thanks kevin all right kevin appreciate thanks for having me
Yep. All right. Hey, Chet, um, I know you mentioned your dad's World War II interviews last week uh, on last week's show without me, but I had challenged you the week before uh, to come up with a couple snippets from that interview to share with the uh, with our listeners. I listened to the interview myself live. It was awesome. Uh, were you able to get that done? Yeah, I, I thought about it uh, last night, and here's the deal. Sometimes I'm not sure if it's good for my dad to talk about his war memories at length or not, but I think he really did enjoy telling the stories once again to the world. He talked in the interview about being drafted as a senior in high school at age 18 to go to the war, basic training in Mississippi, then off to Europe he went. He spent some time in England, in Germany, in Belgium, and in France. I forget the particulars, but he suffered some serious burns and spent time in a hospital in England. He was sent to Normandy on June 7th, 1944, the day after D-Day. My dad was 20 at the time. He talked about his duties as a combat engineer, fighting, building bridges, planting and blowing up mines. And then much of the interview, of course, uh, was discussing the Battle of the Bulge, December and January 1944-45, 40 days worth. He often mentions how he spent Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with nothing to eat but snow as the Allied troops couldn't get any food or supplies out to them in the Ardennes Forest. So the Battle of the Bulge ended then in January, two days after his 21st birthday. He says it was such a great present. He was thrilled about it ending. He got emotional during the interview talking about having an up-close look at some of the horrors of war, you know, guys losing body parts, et cetera, I can only imagine, and about having one of his own men, my dad was a sergeant, having one of his own guys putting a rifle to his stomach and refusing to follow his order to go into a particular battle. Uh, he got very emotional talking about that. Some incredible stories, and fortunately for my dad, though, he has a bunch of physical issues to deal with. I mean, heck, he's 96, soon to be 97. He's still pretty sharp up here, probably smarter and sharper than me, to be honest. Uh, all in all, a very interesting afternoon that was much appreciated by all who watched the interview back on October 15th or later on. Yeah, tr tremendous feedback during the interview from people who were sending messages in and all that. Some people really appreciating the uh, the stories and, and the service from your dad. I thought it was really cool. And uh, and like you said, he's sharp. The, the whole bridge building thing, that was kind of neat. They sent them guys over there and they had 20 year, 19, 20 year old kid. Hey, build a bridge. Yeah, pontoon bridge. I didn't even, didn't even know what that was. But uh, yeah, man, when I was 20 and 21, I was in college still <laughs> feeling my way around, talk, trying to figure out how to talk to girls, you know. You're right, right. Very different. <laughs> so, hey, uh, so is there a way that the listeners could go back and listen to that interview? It's only, what, 20, 25 minutes, right? Uh, yeah. If they wanted to jump on and listen to that, is there a link that we could give them so that they could uh, – could go listen to it. It's well worth the 20, 25 minutes in my mind. I don't have it off the top of my head, but if you look on my Facebook page and go back about a week in time, you'll see all the information there. It's uh, one of the Battle of the Bulge sites, and they have the whole day's uh, webinar interviews there that you could watch. Or I posted my dad's separate interview, which was uh, about 17 minutes after I edited it a little bit. But don't be don't be shy about putting that on the Philly Press Box radio page. Too. Okay. All right. Good deal. It was fun. All right, Ted, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we have the spot for you. It's Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, indeed, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call. 
David is what is most important to you and your family. So call Dave, call him today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. That phone number is 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. Football fans, this is Beryl Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! Yes, it is. Thanks, Merle. Hey, Chet, we uh, we mentioned in the opening the Phillies made some organizational cuts this week, uh, cutting seven from the scouting department. Um, Jim Gott has now announced he's not returning, so that's another hit for the pitching staff. World Series was pretty good, uh, yet the ratings are awful, and you mentioned that last week a little bit. Um, but even worse, according to Sportico, uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has said the 30 teams have amassed an unprecedented $8.3 billion of debt from the various lenders and will post near $3 billion in operational losses. Um, it's been a, uh, it's been a rough year, Bill. About all that. Rough year for all the pro sports leagues in terms of ratings and financial. We can recover at least a chunk of what was lost here in 2020 if we ever get through this damn COVID thing completely. Uh, you mentioned the ratings. The ratings are out today for the World Series Game 6, the clincher last night. Check this out. A massive 55% ratings decline from the year ago, Game 7, between the Nationals and Astros. If you just compare last night's final game, Game 6, to last year's Game 6, which was not the clincher as it turned out, a 37% drop. So that's pretty substantial. And you're talking about a team, Los Angeles, that you know has a lot of fans, both out in California and elsewhere. Uh, as for the Phillies, uh, yes, yeah, scouting cutbacks, including Pete McCannon and Dave Hollins, plus bullpen coach Jim Gott not coming back. And we talked last week when you were here about uh, Brian Price, surprisingly announcing that he's retiring. The Brian Price move, I, I really don't get. Uh, very strange. 160 game season with the Phils as pitching coach, and he decides that he's had enough. And then you have John Middleton in no hurry, it seems, to find a replacement for Matt Klentak as GM. And believe this, if you want to, there was a report the other day that Klentak might actually be involved in the search for his own replacement. What the heck is going on with this franchise, Bill? <laughs> uh, you know, obviously from everything we're hearing, it's all about the money at this point. I mean, I get it if you're losing millions or billions or whatever the right number is. Uh, that's certainly significant. It doesn't bode well for going out and opening the vault for you for the best catcher in the game uh, and even keeping the pieces that they have. And maybe that's why you're not, you're not hiring a GM right now because you don't want to pay him either. And it all has to do with, can you put fannings back in the seats? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting winter and I think an interesting 2021. And I'm not feeling real optimistic about JT being back allegedly he does want to be back, but he's certainly not going to come back for peanuts. Um, maybe he gives them a little bit of a hometown discount, but he's not going to take, you know, millions and millions per year less to stay in Philly. That's just not the way it works anymore, sadly. Right. Well, and you know, you would, you would think that everybody is in the same boat here league wise, uh, but we already know the Yankees don't play by, <laughs> they have their own set of rules when it comes to money. So uh you know, if they need a catcher, they're going to pay him. Everybody else might say, well, 200 million or whatever the number is, is too high. We're not going all the way there. They might be at 150 and the Yankees come in at 190 and they're going to get him. 
Yeah. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's get to uh, the other stuff. We got Freddie Burns waiting to join us. A couple more promos we got to do. Let's get it going, Bill. I don't know where Freddie is, but hey, let's give a shout out to our partners, Chad, at uh, Edge of Philly Sports Network and their shows. You can check them out. The Broad Street Bully Podcast, Drew and Jeff and Doyle. They talk Flyers hockey with some amazing guests. And they're some funny guys. They got some hilarious banter going on over there. Uh, Birds IQ every Monday, 7 p.m., live with Kyle and Eric Quinn talking Eagles football, reacting to the Birds as they battle their way through the NFL. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Lax Philly, Kevin and Gary and the team covered everything lacrosse from Philly, and that's cool. And, of course, Edge of Philly Sports Live with Joe, Freddie, and Big Al. They cover four for four or, and so much more of Philly sports. So watch them live Wednesday nights at 9.30. We finish up with us. You can have something to eat. Jump over and check them out at 9.30. So uh, you can also check out all those shows on at www.eopsports.com. Help by hitting the subscribe button, follow, like buttons, and always share with your family and friends. Bill, normally at this time I would play the NFL Films music, but I'm going to play something else tonight because it just seems appropriate as Freddie yes. joins us. Yes, it does. Wait, Fred, welcome back, Freddie. Uh, tell us, what, what do you think about Dallas? <laughs> Fred is muted. Does he know he's muted? No, Fred. Fred has never looked better. I gotta say, with that. Yeah, I, look, I look beautiful. You gotta there love you me. Go. There you go, Monster Fred. Man. By the way, before we get started, happy anniversary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yes. All right. Well, hey, let's talk fantasy football, Fred. Uh, I assume there's no Dallas quarterback uh, playing fantasy football this week. No, no, that's a good thing for the birds. <laughs> Andy Dalton, you would have thought a few weeks ago you know, possibly could have been a guy, but he was, he was terrible. They have a lot of weapons, but yeah, no, no, no Cowboys at the quarterback spot. Other teams though, there, there are some guys on the waiver wire. You got Baker Mayfield out there. He's, he's, he's having bad games, but he's putting up numbers, which last week he led that comeback. So he's a guy you can go grab off the waiver wire. Um, uh, what's the, uh, he's escaping my name, my uh, thought, but I'll just move the running back. It'll, it'll come to me. The other quarterback this this week, he's killed it. Can't even think of him. Anyhow, uh, running back, you got injuries all over, which helps you. So Michael P. Ryan uh, on the Jets, I said last week to grab him. He's still available. Get him. He had like 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tevin Coleman of the 49ers, they're just like a uh, an injury unit over there. Everyone keeps getting hurt. So Wilson just won down. Tevin Coleman's coming back for week eight. I loved him under Shanahan when he was with the Falcons and Devontae Freeman. He was a good guy to use. He's a guy definitely grab off the waiver wire as well. Staying with the 49ers, uh, Brandon Ayuk, first-round pick. He's starting to come along now as the season's going on. I think he had uh, seven or eight catches. His targets have been up plus five every week. He had a touchdown last week. Grab Brandon Ayuk. Uh, the tight end spot, actually staying at the receiver spot, Jalen Rieger's coming back for the Eagles. He's a guy that, that you would want to look into and grab and um, – Moving to the tight end, I said Trey Burton last week because he was on the bye. The week before that, he had like six catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Other than him, there's no one really out there. The tight end spot is pretty dry. Um, so I would just look to see if 
Irv Smith, uh, he's kind of numbered splits time, though, for the Vikings, so you're kind of dry there. Hey, speaking of what tight are, ends, do we know that Dallas Goddard is coming back for sure this week? Is that definite? I don't know that he's active for Sunday, but they gave him the 21-day that he's active as far as that goes, is the 21-day window to come back and play. Okay. Hey, hey Fred, inquiring minds want to know, what about Richard Rodgers since uh, Carson Wentz is a tight end kind of quarterback? Is Richard Rodgers somebody that could get some points? I, th- I mentioned him last week, and I don't know if he's going to get you, like, a crazy amount of points, but if you're looking for a tight end to just get, like, four catches, 30 yards, get you, like, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's definitely a guy that I think you should use, especially given the way the Eagles offense runs the personnel with the two tight end sets and likes to use the tight end. All right. One final question for you. How's Tom Brady making out in fantasy football? And by the way, didn't you both take the Packers last week? But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, well, the Packers would have been a good pick last week. You mean two weeks ago. But um, Brady, you're not going to believe this. So Brady, I guess, had a so-so game in my one league. It was actually a Collingdale league. And someone dropped him. I was able to pick Brady up midway through the year. I can't believe it. I really can't. So I got him and Herbert on the bench. Uh, It's awesome. But, yeah, Brady is outstanding with fantasy. Yeah. When when are you going to reach out and put Antonio Brown on your roster and just take a flyer on him? Last week, yep. He's. I swear, I said it last week, right, Chet? And then you did. Got, I got off. I got off the show, and I look, and he's picked up by the Buccaneers. I didn't know he was going to the Bucks. I just figured, you know, he was going to be picked up by one of the teams. So yeah, definitely grab him because he's a number one receiver in the league. If if he's got his head straight, yeah, he's he's going to have trouble being the number one receiver on that team. But that's another story. Hey, let's get to some predictions. Uh, Chet, what are the standings? Because I've lost track of all that. Uh, how much are you getting hammered by, Chet? All right, well, first of all, my apologies to Fred because I inadvertently cheated him out of a win when I gave the standings last week. He did, in fact, pick the Ravens to beat the Eagles the prior Sunday. I somehow wrote down that he picked the Eagles. I don't know why. So Fred had that one right. and That's all been corrected. Fred, therefore, maintains his two-game lead on me. It's only two games, Bill. Uh, we made the exact same picks last week, and we'd seven, eight, week seven, we both went two and two. So Fred remains atop the standings at 21 and eight. I am 19 and 10, and uh, we'll see what happens this week. All right. Well, let's get it going. Uh, the NFC East is a little thin, so uh, we're going to go backwards tonight. We're going to start on Monday Night Football, Tampa Bay at the Giants, the Bucks minus 11. Washington has the week off, so we're going to put the UJFC game in here. Steelers at the Ravens, the Ravens minus three and a half. And then we're going to go to the big NFC game, the 49ers at the Seahawks, Seahawks minus three. And then last will be the Eagles hosting the Cowboys on um, Sunday night football. So uh, let's go ahead with that. Start out, Fred. The Giants, Bucks minus 11. That seems like a kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, nothing much to explain. Uh, Buccaneers, definitely. Yeah, Buccaneers will roll in this one, maybe even cover, but that doesn't matter. Tampa Bay easily. All right, let's jump over. Steelers-Ravens. This is this going to be an old NFC East game like they used to play them. Uh, Ravens minus three and a half. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. Um, the Steelers got out to a huge lead and then blew it and pulled it out by three at the end, so that concerns me. But I'm going to go with the Steelers. I think they have the better offense. Their defense will keep uh, – Lamar because Lamar Jackson has good games, but – it's not throwing to the point. I think they'll force him to throw more than he would like to. I'm going to go Steelers. 
All right. Well, I'm going the opposite way. As when I'm in doubt, I always seem to go with the home team in a close matchup. I'm taking the Ravens to win this one. Uh, the Steelers did have that horrible second half last week, and I think there's going to be some carryover. I'm taking the Ravens. You know, that used to matter, Chet, whether we're fans in the seats, but I'm not sure it matters much <laughs> in these empty stadiums. Yeah, I guess. But, but I'm with you. Okay, big NFC uh, game, 49ers at the Seahawks. Seahawks coming off a loss, uh, but they're still minus three in this one. You mean Russell Wilson's been in this league for 12 years and he throws interceptions? Oh, <laughs> I, I thought I thought they don't do that. His three picks cost me some money last week. But I will go with the Seahawks. Their defense well, is not really that good, but the 49ers are banged up. They're well coached, but I'm going Hawks. I'm also taking the Seahawks, especially after that tough loss, which I totally forgot that the game was on Sunday night until I flipped it on. It was like, closing in on midnight and I said, Oh no, there's the game still on. And it was in overtime. Then they had the heartbreaking loss. So I'm taking Seattle to bounce back in this one. All right. That gets us to Sunday night football. Uh, when I put this together last night, the Eagles Cowboys game had no line. Uh, I don't know if there is one now, probably waiting to see if there was going to be a quarterback. I saw uh, Eagles four and a half uh, last night. Eagles favored by four and a half as of last night. And the place I looked. Okay. Well, where I looked, there was no line. So, it doesn't matter. We're picking winners. Eagles, Cowboys, Fred. Yeah, they, they probably saw the quarterback change and pulled it off. Um, I will be at the link on Sunday night. I will Whoa. make my return to the link Sunday night. Um, I'm pretty excited. That's, that's bad. That, that's, that's, that might be a bad thing. I, yeah, you're right. Well, when I, without my dad, he's the only time I would lose. So when I'm without him, I somehow win. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to take the Eagles here. Dallas doesn't have a quarterback. I think it's going to be closer than we think, though. I, I, Dallas got punched in the mouth twice. They didn't stick up for their quarterback. Their coach is questioning them. They tend to – they're going to have a little bit of pride here. I, I think the Eagles will, will win by seven. I don't think they have any more pride. Your shirt says it all. Dallas sucks. I'm taking the Eagles to route the Cowboys. 34-17 birds. There it is. Best performance of the year. Eagles win. Well, Chris, uh, our, our man Chris is telling us it's a seven-and-a-half point spread right now. So yeah, that's, they, I saw, I saw that seven. sounds more like it. I saw seven, and then, went, like what you said, Bill, once the quarterback changed, they took it off the board and, and probably put it back up now. All right. Um one thing uh, I was going to say regarding the, the team and the quit and the character and all that, they quit on Jason Garrett too. You know, Jason Garrett's time was certainly up in Dallas, but that team quit on him last year. A lot of the same players, and they look like they've quit on Mike McCarthy already too. Maybe so. Hey, Fred, before you leave, uh, I want to ask you a couple of Sixers things. I was crazy busy at work today, but I know the Sixers made some big administrative moves, uh, bringing over the guy from Houston, uh, naming an assistant coach or two. Uh, what's going on with the Sixers? Tell me what you know, and what, what do you think of these moves? Uh, very excited. Daryl Morey is the guy that they tried to hire over Elton Brand and tried to poach him from Houston. He's They've wanted him all along. He Sam Hinkie studied under – Daryl Morey. So we got Hinky from the Rockets with Morey. I'm very excited to have a basketball guy in here. He's had good teams in Houston. He just happened to run into the Golden State Warriors. So I, I think we got a basketball head. Him and Doc Rivers, you know, whatever Elton can learn from them, I guess. But I'm just glad to have basketball people in here. And then the assistant coach that they got from the Pacers, he's the same guy that was saying he hates the Sixers last year. He hates his team. 
hates what Embiid gets away with. So Embiid tweeted out that quote today and was like, welcome to Philly. <laughs> now we can, we can figure out what we I get away with so much. That's funny. Forever. Oh, pretty nice. Cool. Nice. All right. Hey, Fred, before we let you go, let the viewers know where they can follow you. You've got a lot going on and you'll be on again at 930 tonight. Yep. F- find me at Freddie Burns on Facebook at Fred Hugo underscore on Twitter and Instagram. And then as always on uh, Facebook, uh, Edge of Philly Sports Network will be live on there tonight at 930 p.m. All right, All right Fred. Appreciate you coming by, as always, and uh, go Birds. Go Birds. See you, Fred. All right. What do you think of Dallas? <laughs> Dallas sucks. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Chad, tell us, tell us what's going on over at the Irish Rover Station House. Well, I talked to our uh, friend Chris over there today. We're going to talk a little more tomorrow. All is well over there in Langhorn. They are still offering outdoor patio seating a little later than usual this year, but uh, that's that COVID thing. So they are keeping the patio open. They also are going to start using their banquet room, which is uh, to the right of the main bar area. Again, socially distant tables at the Irish Rover. One thing that hasn't changed, a great menu and a big slate of beers always available. And while you do need to order food, you can fulfill that obligation or requirement with something as simple as a dollar hot dog. They are open daily, and I highly recommend both their burgers and their wings. You can grab lunch Thursday through Sunday. They open at 3, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn, and you can check them out on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. And, Bill, I was going to play this now, but I played it earlier, but I'm going to play it again because uh, I'm obligated to do so. <laughs> they did the mice. They did the monster, monster mice. The monster mice. It was a- Why not? Halloween, right? Bill. Yes, Halloween. Hard, hard to believe it's the end of the day. The Lions just played their first game of the year, and it's already Halloween. Go figure, Chet. Uh, uh. Crazy start. Um, losing to Indiana 36-35 in overtime, pretty much dominated the game, uh, shot themselves in the foot only to get a bad call at the end on a two-point conversion. And by the way, Brandon Noble was excellent last week. Yeah, wasn't Brandon great? Uh, yeah, speaking of scary, like the monster mash, uh, that ending of that game, we can debate the official's call, but really the Nittany Lions blew it in the last couple of minutes of regulation. Up by 21 to 20, they made the mistake of scoring with a minute or so left when Devin Ford realized just a little bit too late that he should have gone down at the one-yard line so Penn State could sit on it, run out the clock. Instead, he scores. The extra point makes it an eight-point lead. Then the Hoosiers come back and score, get the two-point conversion. It goes into overtime. We know what happened there. I put that blame on James Franklin. Before every offensive play in the final couple of minutes of regulation in a situation like that, he's got to remind his offense that they you know, have to sit on it and don't score and give the other team a chance. I'm blaming Franklin. I'm 100% with you. Uh, coaching effort, a lot of mistakes. Definitely shouldn't have happened there. If he lays down anywhere on the field, the game is over. However, I'm going one one spot here, Chet. That does not make it okay to get a bad call to cost you the game at the end. They deserve to win the game in spite of their mistakes. Uh, 488 yards to 211 for one. Time of possession, 40 and a half to 19 and a half. All Penn State, the whole game, um, a bad call does not justify the mistakes they made to end up losing that game. 
well, all Penn State the whole game except the last minute of regulation and then, you know, in the overtime. Uh, first of all, you, you can't – you got to stop an Indiana team from driving the length of the field to – yeah, in the overtime thing, it might have been a bad call. I'm still not convinced that the officials got it right on that final two-point conversion or got it wrong, I, I should say. Um, the, the ruling on the field was that he did get the ball right to the pylon and I don't think it's indisputable that that wasn't the case. Apparently you do, but the call on the field was that he did get the conversion. And I don't think there was enough video evidence to overturn it. Maybe your eyes are better than mine, Bill. Well, I thought he, I thought when I saw it live that he was out of bounds. And I, I watched it a thousand times. I still think he was out of bounds. <laughs> the pylon was out of bounds. And when the ball hit the pylon, he was already down and the pylon was out of bounds. So I'm not, I'm not going for it. Doesn't matter uh, at this point. Uh, like I say, it, it, a bad call doesn't justify the mistakes your team made. You still should have won that game. Now, yeah. more importantly, well, maybe not more importantly, equally important is they got the Buckeyes this week and they're going to have their hands full. Yeah. And Noah Kane out uh, for the year with an injury, the running back. Uh, so Devin Ford is going to be counted on and they're going to need him to play well. Uh, I don't feel good about this one. A Saturday night at Beaver Stadium on Halloween. Uh, we're not going to be there. Empty Beaver Stadium, right? It could be ugly. And yeah, Brandon Noble was great last week. I wish we had Brandon on again. Yeah, one other note about that Indiana game. Uh, Sean Clifford, 238 yards passing, 119 yards rushing. Certainly the Buckeyes are aware of that. Uh, they better have a few more weapons than uh, Sean Clifford getting what's that, 357 yards offense himself. Yeah, uh, I'll be watching and hoping for the best. We shall see. Wrap it up. Move on, Bill. Move along. All right, let's do it. Let's go right over to uh, – our quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page. So maybe you can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line Razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook page. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. And PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. Good place to get your Christmas gifts, Mr. Jesco. Yes, indeed. All right. Um, great guest tonight, Kevin Riley. Always great. Edge of Philly Sports, Freddie Barnes. Always great. So, who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? I don't know the answer to that just yet, Bill. That's uh, a work oh. in progress. But I can tell you and our viewers slash listeners that if all goes well, we're going to have a little bit different setup next week. It's going to look a little different, sound a little different, and look better as well. We're going to have a new and improved video situation going on. So uh, we're all looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure are. And uh, hopefully... Hopefully it's all for the better. We feel pretty good about it. We get a couple test runs in. We got a few more to do, and uh, we'll be ready to roll next Wednesday night. Can't wait. All right. Parting shot for you tonight. I was going to do an elaborate parting shot about something, but I, I didn't get it written. But I will say we had a bunch of birthdays to celebrate. Lenny Wilkins, 83 today. He's second only to Don Nelson in coaching victories. Here's one for you, Bill. Olympic gold medalist Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner, is 71. Uh, former Broncos great Terrell Davis is 48. 
And uh, Julia Roberts, Bill, is 53 today. Another one of your favorites also, Bill Gates, 65. Um, maybe not. But the other day, uh, I, 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 yeah. I, I Go got ahead. a question for you. Does Bruce Jenner have like man birthdays and lady birthdays? How's that so, work? No, I think you just get the one birthday, but we're not going we're not going there. The other day though, Bill, this angelic lady had a birthday. Here's a picture of her from the mid-1970s. See her right there? And now this oh, yeah. one, this one from less than two months ago. This lady is 75, Jacqueline Smith. That picture was taken September 1st. That's amazing. That's a, that's, a, that's gotta be a Photoshop, right? I there. swear to God, I, I saw it was actual from September 1st. I was going to do oh. a, a parting shot about something else, Bill, about my favorite Halloween movies. Cause Halloween is fast approaching. Didn't have time to do it, but he's these, these are four that made big impressions of me. Psycho from 1960. I've watched this about a dozen times. The exorcist still one of my favorite horror movies of all time. 1973 classic. When I, people ask me my favorite, I always go to this one, 1978, the original Halloween. I still watch it often. Love it. And this one, I watched this one a hundred times as a kid, still holds up. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. That is great stuff, Bill. That's all I got. Wrap it up. But you know I'm not a big movie guy, but Psycho was one of my very favorites as a scared young kid. That was a good movie. Still good. And they showed it on the big screen in theaters about two weeks ago. But I wanted to go see it, but my wife is still worried about the whole COVID thing and me maybe catching something, bringing it home. So she said, no, you're not going, or if you do, you're going to sleep in the basement for a month. So I relented. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Kevin Riley and Freddie Burns, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. PPCC 118 Raz Room, a Dave Lavoy of All State Insurance in Westchester, and Chris Furman back on the controls with us again tonight. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November already, Chet, November 4th at 7 p.m. You can listen to us live on Facebook or through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and Go Birds. And I forgot to load the audio, so E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, beat Dallas.